welcome to 2021. How are you doing? Uh, I kind of have a headache. I'm not sure if that's food-induced. It might just be 2021. I don't know. It's 10 days in, and uh, it's interesting. <laughs> yep. Welcome to Poor People, a podcast where we talk about stuff. I'm me. I'm Jackie. Today, we're going to do a little bit of reflecting because it's the beginning of the year and it seems proper. Do you have any uh, New Year's resolutions, me? <laughs> I don't know if I just stopped making them or maybe I just never really made them, but it was like a talking point when I made up with friends again. Mm. But I mean, I have a general one. I, I sort of started slacking exercising at the end of last year because of the holiday break and it was raining and it's cold, so it's hard for me to get out and run. I gotta just do it again. Nothing to do with the new year, really. It's just a, I just have to do it again. <laughs> I always like your social media videos of you running and it's just like such a struggle. <laughs> it is. It's hard. <laughs> it is hard. Running is hard. What about you? I am firmly in the belief that New Year's resolutions are silly. I haven't had a New Year's resolution probably sometime since maybe end of high school, beginning of college, because I think the idea that a switch from one year to the next is any different than the whole new year, new me thing, I think is silly. For me, <laughs> for other people, if it floats their boat, whatever, I don't care. But for me personally, if I want to make a change, I just need to own up to it and make the change instead of saying, oh, I need to wait till next year before I can do it, this. Yeah. <laughs> I gotcha. That's that's how I used to think about it maybe five years ago. And then I realized, hey, maybe sometimes people just need that extra push and having a, a schedule for when they start, you know, is better than not ever doing anything at all. So I'm like, yeah. okay, if people want them, I can have them. I recognize that it's important for some people. It's like a kind of a mental marker for them to yeah. be able to say like, okay, now that that year is over with, I'm going to start with this new year and try to push for these things. I think that's great. But for me personally, I think it's silly just because I've always been in the mindset of if I need to do something, I just need to get off my ass and do it. But that's just a personal thing. If other people make New Year's resolutions, that's great. For me personally, I think they're silly. <laughs> How did the year start for you? It was pretty good. I mean, so I had the last week of December off. So I was pretty like well rested. And I was like, you know what? 2021 could be not so bad. We have a new administration coming in that has competent people, people that actually worked their entire lives to serve the country. And then, you know, a couple days ago, was it January 6th, right? I was at work and the politics chat channel at work blew up. It was an interesting day. <laughs> interesting is a, an interesting word to describe it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of discussion. It was just, it was weird. Because all of us started watching that stuff live. I, I, I work on two screens. So I was working on one screen and I wasn't really paying attention to work at that point. Because on the other screen was C-SPAN. <laughs> Pretty sure. Honestly, the best thing that has come out of this administration was probably the ratings for C-SPAN have skyrocketed. <laughs> I was also going to say not, not just that, but people in general paying close attention to the news. Yeah. People normally wouldn't have or didn't but now are taking like an active interest in it not just because it's something to talk about but because it's literally really important it's literally <laughs> life or death for some people so yeah. yeah i completely agree i in college i studied history so obviously I, i'm drawn to politics to some extent i worked in dc for a couple months for an internship obviously i'm interested in politics to some extent 
but for sure in the last four years with this past administration I definitely have paid attention to politics a lot, lot more. Like I know the names of all the cabinet secretaries. I know the names of senators from states that I have never paid attention to in my life. <laughs> so it's it, to a point now that I can reckon, like if someone speaks on the Senate floor without looking to see who it is, I could probably oh, recognize Oh, you know their voice. Mm-hmm. Did you ever imagine you'd be this woman who has C-SPAN on one screen? No. And... <laughs> I remember distinctly as a child thinking, who the hell watches C-SPAN? Why On that channel, yeah. You always just flip right past it. You're like, oh, boring old people talking about stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think it was like, you know, in the 50s, 60-somethings on your like local television stations or whatever. At least it was for mine. Um, and I'd see it and it's like, it always looks gray and a little pixelated. <laughs> You're just like, why do people watch this? The angle of the camera was always like from the top down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's probably a lot about 2021, but let's rewind since it's a reflection. Can you tell us about how 2020 started for you? 2020 was an interesting year. I remember specifically how everyone was so excited for 2020. I particularly wasn't incredibly excited for 2020. I was in a weird employment situation where my manager managers were pretty shitty and I was looking for a new job. <laughs> so I remember when the year started, I was like, okay, I'm hoping as people increase their budgets for companies, they're going to have more positions and I can get a new job because this job sucks. <laughs> so that's how I felt when the year started. But, you know, I was optimistic as as a lot of people are at the beginning of the year. It's optimistic for finding a new job, for starting a lot of different things. Just a year ago, we weren't even thinking about this podcast, right? <laughs> so this is true. There was, yeah, I don't know. I felt like pretty optimistic about things in general. In January is when I, I was looking for a new apartment too, since my apartment lease for the Beaverton apartment was ending. So I was looking for an apartment closer to Portland, or downtown Portland, I should say. And I was optimistic about that because I found something and I was going to move in February, beginning of February, and I was super excited about it. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be downtown. I'm going to be close to the bars and breweries. I'm just going to walk to things and it's going to be great. <laughs> So that's how it started for me. How about you? I was also in a, an employment situation. It was, I didn't have a job, I think at the end of December and into January because my previous employer then had let go of everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so yeah, I, I took that. a break. Yeah, I took a break and it was, it was a nice break at the end of January or at the end of December and into January like I I didn't have a job but I stayed home and I worked on a lot of side projects and other things adult things like taking care of my finances and stuff it was very nice Um, responsible of you (laughs) yeah it's when I learned that I actually like not working I didn't know that I was that type of person (laughs) but it's just because when I do work, I, I work usually in, until like 6 p.m. And when I get home, it's getting ready for dinner. And then I feel like I don't have enough time to do side projects at night because I'm just so mentally exhausted. So I ended up I end up not doing as much as I would like to normally. Mm-hmm. And not having to work opened up so much free time for me to learn photography, like paint more, draw more, build more websites and stuff like that. And do things like go to the bank and figure stuff out, you know. But yeah, I, that that was how it began for me. But also at that time, it was in the middle of thinking of whether or not I want to take more time off and volunteer abroad for like a couple months and then return to find a job because that would have been the perfect time. You know, like oh, I'm not yeah. too stressed for money at at that moment. And I that's something that I want to do anyways, you know, like for experience. 
but yeah. I just yeah I decided against it just because I I was I was really just a coward and I backed out. <laughs> I imagine if I had signed up to actually go volunteer abroad, and then the pandemic hit, you know, pretty much February was when it was started picking up news, and then March was when we started having stay-at-home orders in、mm-hmm. America. But I had just joined my job for less than a month, and I had to start working from home. Like I, I can't imagine how things would have been if I was in some other country. I, I don't know. Yeah. What about you? Like, how did COVID affect you personally? So COVID, COVID affected me with my whole employment thing, similar to a lot of other people, right? But in a really weird way. So, like I told you about that whole job situation, I hated working for that company because my manager was an awful manager, and I had decided sometime mid February. I thought, you know what? If I don't get a job offer by the end of this week, I don't care. I'm going to quit. I'm going to put in my two weeks because this place sucks. Like this is bad for my mental health. I would rather、yeah. work a crazy amount of hours than deal with this bullshit anymore. So I ended up getting a job offer from a different company. I was super excited to work for this education company, and I was supposed to start at the end of March. And I was getting ready, signed all my papers and everything, and then they called me as this pandemic stuff was happening. As things were starting to escalate, they called me and said, "Hey, we're gonna need to push out your start date for a week. Is that fine?" I said, "Yeah, of course. I understand. It's not your fault. It's a pandemic." <laughs> When that week came, I ended up pushing it out a little more, and then just continued to get pushed out into a point where they're like, "Hey, we do want you to start, but we're not sure when we can start you." That sounds so stressful. Very stressful, and. Because I, you know, like I was expecting to start this job, I didn't have a ton of money and savings or anything, so I was going to move from one job to the next, pretty much no break in between at all. But it's an education company, so if students are not in school, there's nothing for me to analyze. <laughs> so I was furloughed, and I was sitting at home, and I just was so stressed out. I didn't know what to do. I had no money coming in. And I had to pay rent, and luckily I had, you know, some money left to pay rent. So I was able to pay, I think, one month rent, and then we ended up getting those initial stimulus checks, the twelve hundred that was supposed to last、mm-hmm. us throughout the entire pandemic, apparently. Uh huh. So luckily, I was able to get the twelve、um, hundred pretty quickly in comparison to a lot of other people. I think if I had waited for a paper check, it wouldn't have gotten to me till. Maybe August or September, according to their schedule. That's so、um, unacceptable. <laughs> yeah,、God. it was insane. So I was just super stressed out. So I was just continually applying for jobs everywhere,、I'm、reaching out to my connections to try to see if there's anyone hiring a data analyst or a risk analyst or you know a fraud person, whatever. <laughs> just like just putting out feelers for everything at that point. But I eventually landed a job with the company I'm working with now. But I was super lucky to be able to find that job because I know a lot of people. Depending on what industry you're working in, you're not able to find a job. Pretty much no industry is doing particularly well unless you're in groceries or, you know, some tech stuff. Yeah, I guess if the pandemic requires your service. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it's hard for people to find a job, right? So luckily, that was the case. When I was dealing with unemployment checks, that was a freaking nightmare. And you were in Oregon. Yes, I'm in Oregon, and the unemployment system here, like a lot of other states, is pretty old. It's antiquated. No one uses that coding language anymore, so there's very few people that <laughs> know how to 
update the system and apparently they had money to update the system years ago but they decided not to for whatever reason so the money's been sitting there doing nothing so inadequacies of state government there (laughs) but surprise yeah surprise surprise luckily though i was able to get my unemployment checks after i think 11 weeks but the thing is i'm one of the lucky ones some people waited probably twice as long to be able to get those checks and 11 weeks that's crazy like what happens if you need it for rent or food or taking care of your kids and you're pretty much oh my god yeah so i feel like i'm very very fortunate because i am a single woman i live by myself i don't have children I, you know, have friends that will be willing to lend me money if I needed it. There was a lot of friends that reached out, you and Logan included, told me like, hey, if you need help, I'm happy to help you. (laughs) And I'm lucky to have those resources because I feel like a lot of people don't have those resources. You know, there's that joke where it's like your friends are very similar to you, right? You kind of all hang out in the same circles. So if you're a poor person and everyone else is poor, they want to help you. But if they don't have the money, if they're poor, too, you're going to screwed. (laughs) But yeah, so I mean, I, I got my stuff in 11 weeks. And I, I don't know if this actually helped or not. But I had reached out to my state representative, Representative Blumenauer for my district. And their office reached out to the unemployment office to see if they could get me the check sooner kind of thing. And that's honestly something I feel like is a product or a result of me having the knowledge to be able to even do that. Because someone that is an immigrant that might not have that same education and knowledge, might not be able to know that you can reach out to your representative. And they, and they would need it just as, as much as you did, you know? They probably need it more than I do. Yeah. Considering my unemployment checks, I'm sure a lot larger than the regular person that works retail or whatever, right? Because I, I work at a tech job, so obviously I, I make a significant amount more than someone that just works in retail. So I was lucky. That sounds so stressful. Yeah. How about you? How was starting the job right as the pandemic was starting? I, I'm i a slow person to get to know a new job, a new place, the team and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time that we had to work from home, I, th- I think I had just gotten comfortable um, and knew enough people to work efficiently at home. Luckily, mm-hmm. like our team already had IT infrastructure to support work from home because I work in tech. But my, my story is really different from yours. I just changed my routine from walking, getting to work, mm. working, and then returning home from that to just waking up and going to the desk, working. And then one thing that changed was probably I end up working a lot longer than normal because I'm already at home. Yeah. Um, so, so sometimes I would do late nights where I just work until dinner, eat dinner, and then go hop back on and then work until like 10, which isn't really healthy. But COVID didn't affect me as much as it affected you, I think. But I think that it's probably because you were in a situation where your new employer wasn't able to provide you with a job that they had promised. So that was, that's stressful. But also I I live with my sister and my boyfriend. So having even that as like a safety net, if something bad really happens, is, is helpful and you live alone. Yeah. Besides the pandemic, another really big event last year was the Black Lives Matter protests and police brutality. What are your general thoughts around what happened there? And Portland, that actually was a big part of the news too. What was your experience like? 
So Portland definitely got a lot of attention because the president doesn't like Portland. (laughs) We're considered this liberal bastion, which is interesting because I feel like it's just Portland. Portland and other parts of like small areas, densely populated areas of Oregon, because a lot of Oregon, if you look at just the land, uh, seems very conservative in, in comparison. But anyways, Portland... We had a lot of the protests for, I think, more than 100 days or something. And I actually live relatively close to downtown. And I got a lot of inquiries from friends about whether or not I was okay. Because, (laughs) you know, a lot of people were like, oh my god, on the news I saw things blowing up and things on fire. Are you guys okay there? We were fine. (laughs) I live like maybe four blocks away from downtown. And it was fine. The only thing really that I saw that really opened my eyes to things was the whole thing with police brutality. I had some friends here that went out to protest, to the peacefully protested, but they were still hit with tear gas and their protest was considered an unlawful assembly and that's when they got hit with tear gas to disperse the crowds and everything was it in portland where people were being snatched off the streets into vans or was that seattle i think it might have been both but it did happen here in portland yeah that's that's crazy yeah i think the thing that was upsetting to me is The fact that you see videos from different people, I followed the Portland subreddit a lot, and there were posts from a lot of different people talking about things like people getting snatched up from unmarked police vans, which is dangerous because if if you don't know who got you, you don't know if it's an actual law enforcement officer or if it's potentially it could be some proud boy trying to harm Antifa or whatever they try to do. So you don't know who it is, and some people were detained for, I think they're allowed to detain you up to, I forget if it's 24 or 48 hours without charging you, but you know, if you're getting captured by some random unmarked van and for no- And yeah, and these people, they they didn't wear badges either, right? Because they were afraid of being identified and targeted. (laughs) Yeah, something like that. I don't remember at this point. I feel like the way that law enforcement approached this was very much a violation of our freedom of speech. A lot of people like to throw that around nowadays, but if you watch the videos on the ground from people, they were attacking reporters, people that were clearly marked as press, wearing yeah. having press badges, wearing vests, and, and like actually identifying themselves as, hey, I'm the press. You can see that they have cameras. It's not just camera phones, but actually, you know, camera gear and clearly marked as press, but not just here in Portland, but a lot of other places where law enforcement is trying to arrest these people or trying to make them go far away so they can't record or report on any of these things, which to me personally, I think that is a violation of freedom of press because the government is literally trying to censor you or trying to stop you from reporting something yeah. that is happening that they are doing. So it's it's interesting. And to bring it to today, the contrast between what was happening there with all these, to me, violations of the First Amendment um, compared to what happened recently at the Capitol. The stark contrast between how law enforcement treats these different crowds of people is shocking in ways, but also kind of expected. And it's really disappointing to see things like that. How was San Francisco with BLM stuff? Because I know you mentioned when you saw all the Portland stuff, you saw that 
Portland is very white, but we seem to have a big response um, in comparison to San Francisco. Can you talk to me more about that? A lot of the news, or if, if there were a lot, any crazier things happening in the Bay Area, it would be in Oakland. But San Francisco did have lots of marches and rallies going up and down market and then towards the Civic Center. I, I feel like it was just another city with a lot of people with a lot of beliefs wanting to peacefully protest. And yeah, San Francisco was just another one of those big cities where there was a big turnout. But there wasn't as much crazy resistance from the government like uh, Portland and Seattle. We didn't have like a fortified area that was occupied by anti-police people, you know? Yeah, we were considered a anarchist jurisdiction. So there was that <laughs> from the Justice Department. Right. <laughs> I'm not sure which came first, but that was that was definitely interesting. How was San Francisco with COVID happening and everything? I know with protests, obviously, there's a lot of people. But outside of the protests, yeah. how did COVID affect the community? How did it affect downtown? I'd imagine it would be relatively, I guess, empty because that's how it was in Portland. Like downtown was completely empty until it came to protesting. Yeah, pretty much the same. The, the light rail muni is just not running. Very little traffic. You can get to the other side of the city pretty fast now in a car. Um, That's like surprising. Usually it would take like 40 minutes or 50 minutes just to get to like the outer sunset. But now it's required to do it in like 10, 15. Really? That's yeah, insane. You can, you can go, go drive to Berkeley in like 15 minutes or something what? it's insane yeah there's that like zero insane. traffic yeah this I, I wish it was like this all the time but that's just not gonna be the case but like yeah, a lot of buildings especially around the the union square area just a lot of boutiques and stores are all boarded up um same with uh portland right uh yeah. they, and they do hire artists to do blm graffiti on it um i think they look pretty cool but not just yeah. in heavily populated areas. It's like a lot of just stores in general have things boarded up in case there's looting. It's it's sort of unfortunate that needs to happen, but that's just yeah. the reality and fact of where we live in, in big cities. I guess that's a thing. There's a lot of parklets being built for the restaurants and bars to eat out. Mm. I think that's sort of neat having that option in general, so but... European. <laughs> yeah, we're, I mean, we're in the purple zone again, so like no eating at all. But for a bit there, like towards the end of the year, people were able to go out and eat um, in like outside areas and then like at 25% capacity inside, but rates went up again. So no more of that. That sucks. A lot of businesses went out. Like, what was that? True Normand, I think, went out of business. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. No. True Norman is like right in the middle of downtown, so I'd yep. imagine no foot traffic means no one bar hopping and going there. Yeah, well, I mean, specialties went out of business. Yeah, that was it's, really sad. Yeah, lots of closures, empty streets, but I do see when I walk around people wearing masks. That's good. At least I, I'm, I'm in like the Soma area. Honestly, like I don't go out that often. It's just whenever I go out and walk along the Embarcadero to yeah. do my... My, my my moving of the body thing. What is that again? <laughs> Your attempt at running. <laughs> yeah, my attempt at running. Uh, Logan gets groceries or we get it ordered in. Yeah. So I, I just try to avoid the outside. 
<laughs> yeah, I honestly don't know what the rules are right now for Portland because I just stay inside all the time. It's not really worth going out too much. Like every so often, if if we want to go out for some kind of special occasion, then we'll look and see if if there's something that we can, you know, do some outdoor dining or something. That's pretty much our life now until everyone's got their shot and everything and we were actually allowed to do things again. I think that's pretty much how we're going to approach things. Mm-hmm. Oh, Taryn's got the shot. He's he's getting his second shot, I think, sometime. Oh, nice. Soon. Yeah. Well, he's like frontline, right? Yeah. D- just to share this knowledge with our listeners, my boyfriend uh, is a nurse and he actually got sick early March because um, he had one of the first COVID positive patients, I think, potentially in the Portland area. So this is before they started testing for everything and they tested the patients and they were, he was waiting for the results for that. And he couldn't see me for a bit because he wasn't sure if they would test positive. He ended up getting COVID. He was fine, but it was a bit of a scary, a little sketchy kind of period of time. We weren't sure he was going to be okay. Still scary, you know? (laughs) Yeah. He is this very large athletic man and... (laughs) And we were talking on the phone and, you know, he, I asked him a question and he wouldn't answer me. And I was like, Taryn, answer my question. <laughs> and he's like, give me a second. I can't Are you going to be sick? <laughs> and he, he was like, give me a second. I'm trying to catch my breath. Oh, no. <laughs> which, is, which is scary. It's right? too soon. He's fine now. But when people tell me things like, oh, it's not real or, oh, it's not that serious. It's like, hey, oh. it is very serious. Yeah. My... A boyfriend got it and he's a frontline worker and you need to respect this shit like it's ridiculous that you think this is not a real thing or not as serious just because you without the scientific degree don't think this is as serious <laughs> yeah science doesn't care whether or not you believe it or not anyways how did you spend your holidays um how'd you celebrate them if at all <laughs> Um, and uh, did you start feeling pandemic fatigue for the christmas and then the new years I, I stayed home yeah me too it was it was it was nice again because i i, I appreciate the time when i don't work and I, I i like staycations i think um usually we're i'm out traveling during the end of the year I'm usually in Asia, I think, or in Europe. Mm. I guess those are those only places I've I've gone (laughs) in the past. But I would fly in on New Year's Eve because the airports are absolutely empty. Um, Mm. And it's really quick to get through customs because everyone's already where they need to be to celebrate the New Year, right? But I don't do the stay until midnight and watch the fireworks thing. If I'm awake, it's because I'm awake and doing things or I I just flew back home and I just want to sleep because I'm going to be jet lagged for the next several days. But yeah, I, I didn't really do much this year and I'm completely fine with that. I played I play a lot of Minecraft. <laughs> I, I built a nice home because I've been binge watching, you know, some very creative and awesome builders and learning things from them. <laughs> Sounds exciting. Did you guys find your bamboo forest thing? We did not. Oh my! God. It I. Oh, it was it was a hard struggle bus doing our adventure. I I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> oh man! All right. What about you? How how was your holiday? It was okay. 
It wasn't terrible. Um, I spent time with Taryn's family, which is great. I spent time with them a bit last year as well. So that part didn't change too much. The only part that changed was we didn't drive down to California this year because California is raging there with the Rona. <laughs> and oh, no. uh, I don't want to accidentally get my sister or my mom sick. So especially not my mom since she's like mm-hmm. in her 60s. So, you know, not trying to have my mother die (laughs) we my sister and I organized what food we were going to get had some FaceTime and had some dim sum and just chatted as we always do and then I sent them presents for Christmas and they sent me presents um so it's a little sad in that sense but I'm glad that we have the technology that we do that allows us to connect as much as we can during pandemic so I miss them um I feel like it's the first time I've really missed people um i know this sounds strange but i i've as you know i've moved a lot in the past couple years and i generally don't miss people necessarily because when i do have the feeling that i start to miss someone i just fly somewhere or drive somewhere and i can see them but obviously this is not the case this year with the pandemic raging i can't see anyone so you know there's a lot Mm -hmm. of friends i miss so i made I kind of made cookies for everyone and sent everyone cookie books. <laughs> Holidays this year was a little different. I also don't do anything during New Year's. I kind of just – I stay up because I am a night owl. <laughs> it's because you're going to be up anyways. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I honestly didn't even realize it was New Year's. I remember looking at the clock and I was like, oh, it's 11.50. I guess it's New Year's soon. I think I was making cinnamon buns. <laughs> and I think I was rolling the dough or something and I was concentrated and swearing because the dough wasn't you know, rolling correctly. <laughs> Um, and I heard shouts outside and I heard some bangs outside and it's like, oh, are, are people starting early? And then I looked at the clock and it was exactly oh, midnight. Like, oh, it's midnight. Okay. Well, I guess, I guess that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, this year we actually did um, do a virtual hangout with our friends for New Year's Eve. We that's just, nice. again, we just drank and played games and some of us dressed up because there was no time last year to dress up. <laughs> Um, you asked me about pandemic fatigue. Yes, I tell me about it. I think I do feel it sometimes, but again, like I'm a homebody. I like being at home, and actually, it's I'm okay with not seeing my friends. Like <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I get exhausted socially a lot, and doing it over hangout is good enough for me you know like I I like talking with them I don't necessarily I I get really tired if I do it multiple weeks in a row how about you do you have the fatigue yeah I definitely get pandemic fatigue every so often working from home is not an unusual thing for me prior to moving to Oregon I worked from home for about three years so it's not a big deal to me to work from home the difference between that though and the recent work from home dealing with pandemic is I can't go out like I used to so before when I worked from home it's fine staying at home all day and then on weekends or after work I would go out and see people regularly I'm pretty chatty as a person um I'm kind of like a extroverted introvert or introverted extra I don't know I like people but like you I can't see people all the time but to some extent like when I need to see people I'm able to go out and you know chat with just people in general I can't do that now you can't go out 
just to see people that are not really in your bubble. Um, so yeah, I, that's do, true. I do feel fatigued in the sense that there's, there's no sense of escape. I, which I know sounds very dramatic, but <laughs> it, it just feels that way sometimes because I'm stuck at home. I have this cute little dog with me all the time. And I I feel like, honestly, he has pandemic fatigue. He's probably like, why is she here all the time? Why hasn't she left? Because <laughs> sometimes he'll spend time in the room like away from me. But yeah, I, I feel like there isn't that relief of things like going to the gym or for me going to judo. Yeah. Or going to a craft store and be able to roam through the aisles leisurely without having some kind of thought in the back of your head that you need to leave. More <laughs> that, that dollar aisle in Target. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my favorite pastimes. <laughs> this sounds really stupid, but one of my favorite things to do um, to de-stress is to go to a grocery store and to roam the aisles and look for fun new things that I like fun new snacks. Oh, right? new mustard. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I used to roam the farmer's market and say, oh, this is a new kind of bean I've never tried before. It sounds interesting. Let's buy it and see what we can make with it. <laughs> but you know, with the pandemic now, a, the grocery store now is a scent, a place where it fills you with anxiety. Because you have a plan, you get in, you get out. I definitely have mastered the shopping list. (laughs) So it's it's kind of a source of stress in certain ways. I still find some comfort in the grocery store because food never fails me. (laughs) But it's still a little stressful, especially if you have to wait in a line, which I appreciate to some extent because that means less people you have to interact with. But the line, to some extent, reminds you that you're back in this pandemic dealing with things because for me it was a stress reliever right like I that's where I go to you know just Mm -hmm. relax (laughs) but now it's like oh yeah we're still in a pandemic can't spend too long at the grocery store that's my pandemic fatigue can't can't browse the grocery store anymore pretty soon hopefully you can go back browse to your heart's content yeah hopefully I was listening to NPR yesterday and they were talking about how now they have a lot of vaccines, but the problem now is distribution. So as long as the state and local governments get their shit together and hospitals can receive all these vaccines, then hopefully we'll get a plan going to allow people to get vaccinated and allow us to do all the things, essentially, again. <laughs> I have a question. What's, what would you say is one of the, not just the most, but like an, a lesson that you learned from 2020. A lesson I learned from 2020 is that my community is a lot stronger than it looks. And I feel like in tough situations, you can sometimes rely on your community. My neighbors, my immediate neighbors, everyone in this neighborhood is great. They are super friendly. They chat with you. And I think part of that is everyone's craving human interaction. But I think within the Portland community as a whole, there's a lot of people that are willing to reach out and help where they can and just support each other. The The restaurant industry here, all the food carts and everything, carts like JoJo and a couple other ones. I don't remember. I just remember JoJo because I <laughs> follow their fried chicken a lot. <laughs> Everyone's you know reaching out to try to offer free food to people that work in the industry, people that don't have oh, food, nice. um, children that don't have food. Um, I think Mata is another one. And um, there's 
grind with tries they were offering thanksgiving meals to people that couldn't afford thanksgiving this year or this past year so i think that's something that i learned um that even when the government fails you (laughs) your community is there so i think something that i want to bring into this year is to become even more involved with my community like I I want to be able to volunteer more and donate when I can, donate on a more regular basis to organizations within the community that support the homeless population or people that are at-risk teens, uh, people that that are food insecure, things like that. I think just bolstering that community aspect and making the Portland community stronger, I think is something that's important to me. And I think from the pandemic, I that's that's what I learned is the community is great and we need to continue to invest in the community how about you it's nice um for me like I I think the number one thing is I learned that I have to take a step back and talk to some of my friends in a manner that I wouldn't normally have to be extra patient if they have specifically like different political viewpoints than me they're asking questions that I would bounce back saying you're not asking the right questions like you're deterring from the actual problem but I need to phrase it in a way that they understand um and it's you know I don't I don't believe that I should only be friends with people that have the same um political compass that I have uh that's that's just not a recipe for diverse thought. So mm-hmm. like I, it's, I want to try to build a way, a better way of communicating with them about these important issues. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, practicing and doing more of that is something that's important to me that I want to try to continue, but it's difficult and, and frustrating, but I think it's, it's worth it. I don't know about my friends, but I try not to think negatively of them just because we have different opinions and viewpoints because I, I gain a lot of value and I hope they do too when, when we communicate with each other about these things. I think that's, that's a great thing to bring into 2021. I definitely need to work on that as well. I feel like I'm generally pretty calm, but sometimes depending on what this topic is, I, I do get a little heated. <laughs> Yeah. Differing opinions is is important for yeah. sure. It's difficult when the two parties can't even come to terms with what they're talking about. <laughs> like, sure, we have different opinions of these things, but can we settle on like one thing and talk about it instead of, you know, asking these other questions that don't really contribute to the conversation or the argument or debate or whatever. But yeah, it, it easily gets can get really frustrating very quickly but yeah. I think I've, I've managed to realize that I, I have to be asking and, and providing the correct types of questions that would make sense in, in their point of view we're developing our skills of debate <laughs> yeah and, and it's not fun for everyone I don't find it necessarily fun either it's just either one interesting or two important and some things are just too important to let go so spoil not so spoiler alert like a lot of this revolved around the blm movement hopefully we can take our learnings and add on top to it this year yeah i hope so yeah keep learning (laughs) we gotta still have the pandemic and we still have lots of really heavy political things happening so i i I think there will be plenty of opportunities (laughs) yeah 
definitely. And hopefully you guys will continue to stick along with us while we chat about all the different things. We have a lot of interesting topics coming up. Yeah, we have them outlined and um, questions and formats. So uh, hopefully we'll be better organized this year. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be a podcast goal. There, got that too. That is a podcast goal indeed. All right. Thanks for joining us. See you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye.